I want to read the scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. It will be on your screen, but I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open them as we'll make reference to them uh, various times throughout the message this morning. And Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16 will be in my reading. And I invite you to stand if you're able, as God's word uh, is read aloud and as we share together. Listen prayerfully as I read this aloud. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Walter Alston only batted one time uh, in his Major League Baseball career. Only one at bat uh, in the big leagues. And he struck out. And that, by the way, was for the St. Louis Cardinals. But he went on to manage the Los Angeles Dodgers for 23 seasons, winning seven league championships. They were called pennants in those days. And four World Series. He'd found his place of service, hadn't he? He had to try some things before he found the thing that worked for him. And it's a reminder as we think about spiritual gifts, that is, the God-given abilities and talents, capacities, passions and, and uh, endowments that, that come from God. As we think about those, I want us to stop thinking about them as if they're static, as if they're blocks of wood that somehow drop from the sky. They are rather fluid and dynamic and ever-changing. And along life's way, we may discover a giftedness that we didn't know about before. That's why we have to always be open to God's spirit and always worshiping. Bill Hybels in his book, Simplify, has said that there are epics to our lives. There are chapters. There are seasons to our lives. And he says that one of the things we have to do is, by the Holy Spirit, do a fresh yielding to God in every epoch of our life, when a new season comes, we have to be ready to yield to the Spirit's leading because the Spirit might be showing us something new. 
And that means each of us here this morning, no matter how long we've been in church, need to ask questions like, are there chapters in my life that haven't been read yet? Are there books in my life that I haven't opened yet? Are there things that God wants me to do and that I am passionate about doing for the Lord? I'll never forget, uh, several years ago, I was attending a conference, uh, and the the leader of the conference, it wasn't even a conference on spiritual gifts, uh, it was on some other aspect of leadership, in almost a throwaway phrase that he just mentioned parenthetically, he said something profound. He said, I'm convinced that some of the grief in our lives and some of the boredom in our lives can be traced back to the latent, unclaimed, unnamed spiritual gifts that are just lying there in our lives waiting to be brought forth. And there's this deep grief, he said, and a boredom in our lives because we're not finding those gifts, we're not naming them, and we're not embracing them. Something to think about. Which leads us to our text this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, all the way through 16. And by the way, the way the Greek New Testament reads, that's all one sentence. Sometimes in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul forgot to breathe. Have you noticed that? He'll just go on, and, 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 and this is one of those times. But in our English, uh, for sanity's sake, uh, the translators broke them up. But verse 7, you know, until I prepared for this series... I had missed the fact that you can't really understand verses 11 and 12 and 13 if you don't start with verse 7. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ. Each of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ. When you want to talk about spiritual gifts, when you want to talk about your place of service in the church, When you want to talk about where to volunteer, where to plug in, you don't start with us, you start with God. It doesn't begin with us, it begins with God, God's grace, his gifts. Air to breathe, a place to meet, health, family, it's all God's grace. Every blessing of every day, salvation, forgiveness, eternal hope, not what we deserve, but all God's initiative, all God's grace. It's all grace. So in light of that, why don't we do more celebrating of what God has given us, And how God made us and what God is calling us to do. We spend an awful lot of time talking about what we can't do. We spend an awful lot of time envying someone else's gifts or capacities or talents or ministries. Why don't we take more time and simply celebrate and enjoy and claim how God has made me, how God has made you unique 
Each has a gift. Every person within the sound of my voice has capacity and talents and gifts given by God. Now the text in front of us makes it very clear that this is not an elite exercise. Uh, You know, there was a time in Baptist life when if you would listen to sermons, Bible studies, you would assume that God only has a purpose for people who are going to be preachers and missionaries. But God has a purpose and a calling and a giftedness for all of us. It's very democratic. It's, It's very collegial. It's very equal. In fact, the verse in verse 11 says that some of the gifts God gives to the church are the gifts of gifted people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. But why does he give those gifted people? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Does he give the pastors to do the work of ministry alone? No. Paul says he gives the gift of pastors to turn around and equip the laity that together we might do the work of ministry. And by the way, the word for equip is a word that's used in Matthew, or I'm sorry, in Mark 119 when Jesus is calling some of the disciples and the scripture describes them as mending their nets. And the word mending is the same word that's used here for equipping. That is to say that when pastors are called to equip people for ministry, it's not only so that you and I may be blessings to the larger community, it's also so that our lives might be mended and healed and made whole. In answering the call, our lives are made whole. But we're not supposed to do it ourselves, just the clergy or just a few. Remember that definition that football coach Bud Wilkinson had for football? Bud Wilkinson coached Oklahoma University football for a long time. He defined football as a Saturday afternoon in which there were 22 men on the field desperately in need of rest and 70,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise. And he maybe just defined the church. The church where 10% are worn out and 90% are in the stands either cheering or booing, depending on what's going on. Now would be probably a good time to remind you of a great uh, quote from one of the church fathers, Jerome, who lived in the 300s and 400s A.D. He said that Christian baptism is every believer's ordination to ministry. Every believer, every follower of Jesus here is ordained to ministry. And baptism is our ordination service. That's a powerful statement. And that's very Baptist, by the way, as we practice the priesthood of all believers. I was at a conference recently at Central Seminary in the Kansas City area, and Dr. Molly Marshall, the president, was doing the opening address. And uh, she was talking on this very subject, and she said, you know, it is the church's job to notice the spiritual gifts of her people, to name those spiritual gifts, and to nurture those spiritual gifts. I didn't know Molly was into alliteration, but it really worked. We are to notice 
the giftedness of our people. We are to name it, and we are to nurture it so that all of us working together begin to identify our passions. What is it that, that might be outside of the box, that outside of the walls that God might be calling us to and to be willing to follow our passion and to listen to God's voice and to recognize that a paycheck does not validate our ministry. The presence of Christ in that work validates our ministry. It's the presence of Christ that makes that service meaningful, not whether or not there's a paycheck attached to it. Let me show you how this plays out in everyday experience. I was uh, visiting with a, with a man uh, recently, and he said, you know, I was raised Lutheran, uh, did the catechism, learned the Bible, ingested the faith, had a personal relationship with Christ, and he said, early in my life as a young boy, I thought God was calling me to be a pastor. I called the family in to the living room for a family meeting and said, I think God's calling me to pastor. He said, along the way, I realized God was leading me in a different direction. And you know what that man does for a living now? He's a lobbyist at the Capitol just a few blocks from here. And here I'm going to say something that will shock you, maybe. I think... The calling that he chose is just as noble and sacred as the calling that he considered when he was thinking about being a pastor. Because I think all of the world belongs to God, not just the church. And that I think if he is in God's place where he is supposed to be, he is living out his Christian witness. And what happens? What happens to a lost world if the church retreats into a bubble and thinks that gifts and ministry only have to do with clergy and with a few of us. What happens if Christians don't feel a calling to teach in our schools or to be Christian bankers or scientists or politi politicians? What happens if Christians don't feel the calling to be a follower of Jesus and an attorney or a mechanic or a farmer or a homemaker or a librarian. You see, it's Jesus' plan that we live out our calling by going out everywhere, not retreating behind the walls. And there's a, there's a rhythm to this, that when the, when the team Jesus gets suited up, when everybody on the team finds a place and recognizes that the player coach pastors are here to equip everyone to serve on the team. When that happens, there's a rhythm, there's a, there's a beauty to this, and Eugene Peterson captures this in verse 13 of the message, uh, and it's translated this way. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Ephesians 4.13, the message. Moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient 
and graceful in response to God's Son. That's the Apostle Paul's vision and God's vision of Team Jesus working together in sync and in harmony. I talked to you about uh, one baseball manager, Walt Alston. I want to show you a picture of Whitey Herzog. Now, it's not often that I can quote Whitey from the pulpit. It doesn't always work well. Uh, but when I can, I like to. Whitey, and, and you should notice that I found a picture of him in his Cardinals uniform because he did manage the Royals too. Um, Whitey said, I, I've, I've never been able to find this. Uh, I, I'm sure some techie people in the church could help us find this quote. Uh, I heard Whitey interviewed one time, and he said, to succeed in baseball, you have to be smart enough to figure it out and dumb enough to believe it really matters. I'm going to say something heretical, so fasten your seatbelt. Baseball is not the most important thing in life. Are they still there, Rod? I can't look. Okay. They're here physically. They left me emotionally. Um, Football is not the most important thing. Golf is not the most important thing. Your hobby, the sport you love, soccer, whatever it is, chess, I don't care what it is, boating is not the most important thing in the world, in your life. The most important thing in your life is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And here may be another shocker. You don't find God's purpose by seeking God's purpose. You find God's purpose by seeking God. You see the difference? If you want to seek God just to find out a list of chores some things you need to do to alleviate some guilt, it's not going to work. God calls us to himself before God calls us to do work. God calls us to God's self before God calls us into jobs. A relationship with him. It's the very most important thing. And I want to say to preschoolers and children here, Preschoolers and children, let me see your eyeballs. Youth, same thing. God has a purpose for your life. Don't ever forget that. God has a purpose for your life. And when you get in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to be always seeking to know God and to know what his will is for your life. Now, to everybody else here this morning who's older than youth, I want to say something. God isn't finished with you. God's not done with you. There are other epics, other chapters yet unread. God wants to use you, but he does so in a relationship with himself. And I want to say a word to those here this morning or who are, who are, or who are listening to this, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, 
You know, maybe hell doesn't scare you. You're turned off by that kind of motivation. Maybe guilt doesn't work for you. You don't necessarily feel guilty about things you've done. But there is an emptiness in your life without Christ. There's an emptiness and there's also this wondering that you have going on about these gifts and these latent talents and these endowments that are in you and in your personality. And somehow or other you know deep down that Christ wants to claim your life for good purposes. So could the way to Jesus for you not be necessarily through fear and guilt, but could the way to Jesus for you be the way of claiming the gifts that are in you so that you can get in a relationship with Christ and become all that you were created to be and like those nets get mended and become whole. Every one of us here this morning, we're called to hear and to listen. Be open to the Spirit. Let's pray together. Loving God, we have more questions than we have answers when it comes to our place of service, your calling, your purpose. But we know one thing, one step at a time is obedience. Give us hearts to obey you. Amen.